0: Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buchholz, and this is episode 277, Writing Even With a Demanding Career, an interview with Amy S. Peel, coming to you on Thursday, December 9th, 2021. So how is your writing going? Is it doing great? Are you getting tons and tons of words done? Is it just going medium okay, like you're happy? You wish you could write a thousand words in a half an hour, but it's just not ever going to happen (laughs) or you're just kind of um, like this isn't working and I need a break and I have so many things to do. So here's the thing as we approach Christmas and the other seasonal holidays and summer, if you're in the southern hemisphere, there are really good reasons why this could be a great time to get a ton of extra writing done, like really feel like you're getting caught up and you're getting on a roll. It could also be an equally great time to take a break because maybe if you are struggling, possibly you could just be um, stressing your brain and have too much stress in your life and what you really need is to fill your creative well. So if you've heard that phrase and you're like, yeah, what exactly does that mean? It just means play. You need more play time. (laughs) Treat yourself like you're five and give yourself more recess breaks. Seriously, this could really help you to come back fresh and clean and clear and have all sorts of ideas. In fact, what often happens with me is that uh, at first I think, oh, thank goodness, two weeks off. Or I think, oh, I, I feel guilty for taking two weeks off. And then partway through, I'm like, okay, no, I can do this. This will be good for me. You know, the creativity, uh, well-filling sort of thing is a good idea. And I really should, you know, play more and relax more. And after all, it is vacation. And I did promise my family that I would actually be on vacation with them, not just in the same room, but mentally and emotionally with them. <laughs> and then, about a week and a half into that two weeks. And I actually end up with about two and a half weeks this year because of the weekend before and the weekend after. My brain just starts ticking away in a way that it hasn't been in a little while. And more ideas and more ideas. And I'm writing little notes on my phone or on the back of a piece of paper. And by the time I get to the end of my vacation, I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. This is great. And that my friends, is why I suggest that you sit down and really think about what do you need? Do you just, you're dying to write, you have so much to say, you just don't have enough minutes and hours in front of the keyboard, then write, enjoy it. Treat your family well, act like you love them. <laughs> but if this is a good time for you to write, do so. But. You may find that the little example that I just gave you is kind of where you're at, in which case, give yourself a break, play, do whatever play means to you. Does it mean painting, taking a hike, doing a puzzle, watching like an entire Marvel movie marathon? Yes, that would be play for me, (laughs) Um, whatever it is, give yourself what you most need because there is no magic answer. There is no one size fits all answer. You have to stop sometimes and just think, what is it that's actually going to be best for me right now? And I say that as someone who often forgets to stop and think, I'm just like running, running, running. Oh, I have 40 more, 40, I can't talk because I'm running so fast. My, My mouth is running so fast. I have 40 more minutes. I'll hurry and do this other thing. And then, yeah, I never get any rest or any breaks and then my, my, I don't know, my creativity just wears out a lot quicker. So anyway, wanted to give you that little piece of um, advice, not of what to do, but to stop and think so that you can decide what you want to do with the rest of your December and January if you've got extra time. Um, Also, a few weeks left in my end of year special, if you would like to consider working with me as your writing coach, send me an email at kitty at kittybuholtz.com, or you can go over to rightnowworkshop.com forward slash writing coach, scroll down a little bit, and there's a place where you can enter your email address and hit submit. I'll get an email that basically says, um you know so-and-so wants to talk to you so (laughs) and then we'll get on a call and talk about um, the sorts of things that i do and how i can help you and see if there is uh, a way that would work out great for us to work together on the book that you're working on remember if you're not sure exactly what writing coaching does um i am like your best friend Uh, a little bit of an editor, I'm your critique partner, I'm your um, cheerleader, like I'm a little bit of all of these things. But for you, for your book, your ideas. So I reflect back to you what you just said to me and a lot of times it's the thing that makes you go, yeah, yeah, that. But what the only thing I've done is just said what it seems like you were just now trying to say. It's just that um, sometimes that's what really helps us to be like, yes, that's exactly what I meant. Uh, If you feel like when you're talking to a friend or your critique partner or something and you're filling in each other's sentences, finishing each other's sentences and um, and really helping each other to have this moment of, yes, that's what my story is about, but it happens to you all the time, that's kind of what a a writing coach can do. (laughs) So basically, I help you get your story down. I don't try to co-write your story. I don't tell you your idea is stupid. You should do this other thing that's my idea. I have nothing to do with the writing of your story except for to help you get the words down and come up with better ideas and better ideas all the time so that in the end you have a, a great book that is your story. Just want to emphasize that because a few people have wondered, you know, how much how much do you actually do? I don't do anything that has to do with the writing. That's all you. I just help you to do it better. Okay, so send me an email. Also on my website, rightnowworkshop.com, there is a place where you can click uh, right there on the homepage and download a free self-publishing checklist. So if that's something that you're looking into doing, I think it could be a very valuable resource for you. So go ahead and uh, get that for yourself this year. Today's guest has so many interesting attributes and it's like, where to start? I actually couldn't read her entire bio. I mean, everybody has a long bio and a short bio, but even in her short bio, I was like, I can't read all these things because there's so many different, cool, interesting things going on in your life. But among other things, she shares shares with us, I really can't talk today, can I? She shares with us in this interview, a writing tip that Michael Connolly gave her. Very interesting, definitely wanna hear what that is. Um, You will be surprised and not surprised. Uh, She talks about how she started and kept on writing, even though she had a very demanding and um, time-demanding as well career, um, a great career that uh, led us to also be talking about organ donation (laughs) as we were talking about everything else having to do with writing. And also some helpful exercises you can do in your chair that will help your muscles and everything to stay loose and limber so that you can treat yourself um, with you know, self-love and, and taking care of your body so that it will take care of helping you sit there while you get all these words out. So lots of really interesting things that we were talking about today. Lots of tips that I'm sure that you will be glad that you heard. And also Amy is just fun. She was just fun to talk to. So we will now start the interview with Amy S. Peel. Today's guest is Amy S. Peel. Amy S. Peel, RN, is the award-winning, best-selling author of *Cut and Match, Medical Mysteries with a Mission and a Side of Humor. Before becoming a writer, Amy enjoyed a fascinating 35-year career in the organ transplant field, which provides an authentic backdrop to her books. Match, Amy's latest book, is a page-turning thriller that takes the reader into the vivid and dramatic world of kidney transplantation. Amy expertly weaves politics, living donor kidney transplants, and the opioid crisis into a fast-paced, non-stop adventure. She currently resides in San Francisco, close to the Golden Gate Bridge, where she loves to swim, teach chair yoga, and meditate. Welcome, Amy.
1: Well, thank you, Kitty. I'm so happy to be here. This is exciting. I
0: hardly ever get like a cold call sort of email and that I say yes to. So you and I have no connection to anybody as far as we know. And here we are and we're having this lovely fun time together. (laughs) I know from different parts of the world. How cool is that? So fun. And yet we have this connection. Your husband and I are from the same state. So right? And we're both writers. Yes. And storytellers. (laughs) So honestly, it's not that hard for us to imagine being friends.
1: (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. Uh,
0: Well, listen, you have the most interesting background. I had to cut things out of your bio because I was like, there just isn't time to say all this, but so many interesting things. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and then we'll kind of move into um, out of all of these interesting things you've done, I, I'm still just like amazed and think it's the coolest thing that you are in a um, second city in Chicago. But how did you get into writing books?
1: Well, I, I actually, in high school, I'm from Chicago, outside of Chicago, Illinois, small town, Park Forest, Illinois, 60466, is how <laughs> we always say it. Um, I worked with a surgeon at UCSF, Peter Stock, and anytime we'd pass in the hall on our way, he'd go, hey, 60466, i go. Back at you, buddy. But um, <laughs> so family of six, and you'll love this story, because I was in high school, and I took English, obviously, we all had to take English freshman year. I wrote my theme, and I'll never forget the teacher, Mrs. Crumbine. I got it back and it had an F in it. <gasps> and I'm like, what? And she goes, you plagiarized. I didn't even know what plagiarism was. I had taken a definition from the library as a freshman in high school, yeah. and I didn't know that you had to reference it. I mean, I just didn't you know no so I just I was just like because I didn't ever get an F in English so I was like oh no my career is over yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I took a creative writing class senior year which I loved and then I became a nurse and uh, worked in uh, started uh, at, at University of Chicago as a staff nurse in transplant in 1977 and then I got this real passion for transplant as you mentioned 35 years so when I started to write Besides, I always wrote clinically, but you know that's really boilerplate, black and white, medical, statistical. So I started uh, taking a community college class here in Marin County, outside of San Francisco, and I was so lucky to have a teacher uh, who I always wanted to write more. When I was studying, give us a seed, a word, and then I'd write something and turn it in, and we'd read some things out loud, and it was just like I found this this outlet that was so exciting and I got encouraged. I mean, I had a lot of self-doubts and we can talk about that later in Gremlins Mm -hmm. and how I, over the years. So that's how I started, wrote us some short stories, met other writers, storytellers. As you know, we are all drawn to each other because it's a, it's, it's like, I know we've talked about it that when you're with writers and storytellers, you could just talk forever. There's just so much to talk about. And listen, I love it when someone starts telling me a story and I'm just like this, because I think in all of us, there's a kid. And and whenever I go to a reading, because we've got a great bookstore down in uh, Corte Madeira I feel like I'm just like five years old. I mean, I know I'm 68, I get that. But <laughs> just that someone would tell me a story or read from a book and it just, it fills my soul. So I think yeah. all of us as writers are lucky however we package our writing up, you know, whether like a short story or a prose or an article or book. So I just decided I would use mystery as kind of the carrier of my creative act and take some of my, you know, humor, because in the world I worked with, I needed a little humor. That's why I went to Second City Players Workshop and some levity. And I decided I, I tried not to write. right uh, uh, about transplant I really did I, I I met Michael Conley once and he had a heart transplant patient in a book and I was just like you know oh Michael Conley yeah and I said hi you know because he was at book passage I go oh you know I'm in transplant but I don't want to write about it And he just said well that's too bad and I was just like because I was writing another a whole other series and different series and I thought oh so so began my you know accepting that thing they tell us right which you know yeah. um and so that's how I started writing mysteries and I've written cut which I have here in match cut came out in 2017 and this I wasn't even going to use this a point of view but everyone when I told them oh I'm writing because I retired in 2014 and I said oh, I'm going to write about transplant and everybody would lean in and go can you buy your way up to the top of the list and I <laughs> I'd be like, really?
0: And then I thought <laughs> enough
1: people outside my world are asking me. So on the back of the book, it says, can you buy your way to the top of a liver transplant? list?" That's how I led. Nice. And um, it went well. And I'm grateful it got, you know, good acclaim and all that. And then the second book, it just came out in March or in, in April is Match. And this is the one that you described with um, politicians, opioid crisis, uh, kidney transplants, And I always put things in here if people want to be a donor, if they want to, you know, um, they can go to my website if they want to. um, They always learn. People say that when they read my books, they feel one like they got a peek behind the curtain, which helps know that I was doing what I did for a living and putting the detail. And they, one lady at a recent uh, book book club in Half Moon Bay said, I feel smarter after I read your book and I'm nice. like, great. I mean, you know, sometimes you don't think of what the reader will take away from your work and it's good because we all take different things from each other's work. Yeah. So that that's just a little, uh, a brief update and long-winded answer to why did I pick mystery? Um, it's kind <laughs> of a whodunit, a page turner. Like, I don't know if I told you. Uh, people were like, I, I read your book in two days and I'm just like, Really? Because it took me two years to write it. (laughs) Could could you slow down, please? I'm honored. Or I went swimming one time and this lady gets in the pool at the water class we're taking. She goes, I'm mad at you. I go, why? She goes, I was up till four o'clock in the morning. I read to go to sleep. Thanks a lot. And I was like, and I said, well, did you finish? Because of course I finished it. So, you know, I'm honored that it's a page turner, but you know you're a writer and we really try to get those words, you know, we edit and we clean and we cut. And you know, you just want it as in the best polished shape so we can give our reader like our very, very best work, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, can you get us another one sooner? And you're like,
1: oh okay. yeah, exactly. <laughs> when's the next one coming out? Really? did you hear about life? I mean, there's other things, eat, drink, maybe go for exercise, a couple other things on a plate. Yeah, I know. Really? So,
0: but one of the interesting things in your book, and um, tell me if I'm wrong, of course, you'll tell me if I'm wrong, but um, I think that, uh, you know, people read your book and they learn a lot more about a topic that they probably don't know that much about. And, um, and I would think that people would uh, understand in a, more visceral way, the need for organ donation. And I think that you said that on your website, you have a place where you can just click a link and you send them to the right page that they need to sign up to be an organ donor after they die. Is that right?
1: That's right. It's, you know, it's interesting how it's evolved. Over in Europe, they have what they call Eurotransplant, In the United States, they have the United Network for Organ Sharing. But on my website, I have the number of people waiting. Now, 18 people die a day. One donor can supply eight transplanted organs. So I have the all counter and, you know, I I try to educate about it because a lot of people don't know. And then if they want to be a donor, they hit it. But most importantly now, because of the laws around the world, um, regardless of whether they sign their donor card, the family will be asked. And so what I think is important is just find out what you want in your heart and just share it with your loved ones, whatever it is, is the right thing for you. Yeah. So it's, there's no wrong answer, but no, they will be asked, and and not putting your family in that position to go. Gee, I wonder what Tom wanted. You don't. That just takes that all out of the equation. So, yeah, it is. There's a good button right there on the website that can just take them right where they need to go to get educated.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that's something I have to learn uh, over here. It turns out I can't give blood anymore until I learn Swedish. Apparently. It's some sort of I'm sorry, this is my version of it. some sort of weird w- rule. I don't I don't wow. know, I think it's weird <laughs> but wow. um, but I think that it's not so much I mean I bet that it's a rule that was created not so much um, about Swedish is about you need to be literate. you need to understand what you're getting into which wow. um, now there's all, so many expats that I know who are living here and happy to give blood and we're not allowed. <laughs> and we're like, you know, you could just change the rule. Like we can, we can read the rules in English and then we can sign our name. And yeah. but um, eventually I'm sure that they will. But in the meantime, I'm like, I have all this extra blood. <laughs> Help yourself. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Okay, so mysteries, so many things to talk about. Um, wh- where do you want to start? like what what do you want to make? Well sort of I think how you... I
1: I'd like to start with let's see. Um, for people who are working full- time and are just trying to squeeze the words out or the ideas out, a couple things that have helped me through my career and continue to and um, is I was working at a big job as you we've talked about. So I, it was a park your life at the door, 12 to 15 hours a day, but I was starting to scaffold my first book cut with my uh, Brooke Warner who now started, she writes press about eight years ago. Thankfully the universe, you know, delivered her. Um, But I knew my day was crazy. So one of the little tricks I thought about is I put my password in my computers was the name of one of my characters. So even though I couldn't create them and talk, you know, really get them going. Whenever I put my uh, you know, because in the day of computers, we have to have a bazillion passwords that we have to pay, change seven million times. Yeah. But I had the name of one of my characters. And so it was kind of like I was in my subconscious, she was there. And if you're gonna write like where you bought something you do for a living, when I decided my first was going to be a mystery, I looked at things in a different way and I made notes and I took pictures of the transplant floor and I sat back at a selection meeting where we decide who's going to get on the list and I thought, how would I describe that to someone like you, Kitty, if you've never been in that world? What would it feel like? You know, what was the room like? So it made it was kind of fun because not only was I on a little creative writing adventure, I still had to do my work. So one is the password, two is taking note of details that you may sprinkle into your story. Um, And then I keep little quotes and pictures by my desk. So one of the quotes my friend Betsy gave me um, is is from Shannon Hale. And it says, I am writing a first draft and reminding myself that I am simply shoveling sand into a box so that later I can build a castle. So for people Uh who think this has got to be perfect. I got to write and myself included. I can't, I can't sit down, right? It's not going to be perfect. I don't have the right time. It's not, it's too sunny. It's too hot. It's too cold. If you just make a date with yourself, and I do that a lot now, I call it power hours with people. Like we just log on Zoom. Hi, what are you working on? I'm in a writing group. This is it. Turn the cameras off, the sound off. And we just write. It's like you're in a room, but you're not because Zoom's there, but it's like accountability. So another trick is just Find someone you can be accountable to in a kind, loving, caring way. So if you really just want to dedicate 20 minutes is all you can give, then if your kitty's friend say, "Kitty, could could I just text you, or could we Facetime or Zoom? Turn it off just for 20 minutes," and you'd be surprised how many people go, "Yeah, for sure, because I need to be working on some things too." So accountability, your password, knowing that it's. There's always a rough, horrible draft that gets better. Like our lives, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> thank God, that get better. And if we, you know, as we continue to improve ourselves, so the story will get where you want it to go, but at least get it on the page and don't be so critical. And, you know, Kitty, I know as writers, we both have gremlins and I have named mine as my girlfriend, Betsy. Mine, my gremlin is Ursula and <laughs> I've I'll be having a howdy doody day and thinking, yeah, okay, it's coming along. All of a sudden, you can't write. What are you thinking? You're not a good speller. You're not a. You didn't get a degree in, you know, literature, or you don't have an MFA. You're a nurse, and you know, there's a wow, wow, wow. Finally, I'm like, I used to let it stop me, um, because there's was like, well, you're right. I don't. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not crazy, and I'm not on the medication. But you know how you talk to yourself sometimes. I do. You know, yeah yeah so betsy and i hers is hers is dominique mine's ursula and she's my best friend and one of my writing tribe we've been together the four of us 20 years now so i'll just call her i go um yeah uh ursula wants to talk to you she goes really put her on the phone <laughs> and so you know she'll and then and then she'll say okay i took care of her or, or betsy will call me and say dominique uh is really loud today i will say, her, really it's like, you know, we're big sisters for each other and someone's trying to, you know, muscle in. So if we all have inner critics. We all have gremlins. It's just kind of how you tame them. If you name them, say, you know, I'll say, okay, mm-hmm, you might be right. But as I've, you know, write and write and publish and people seem to like my work, I'm like, really, Ursula? Because you see the two books at my desk? You know, hello? Um, maybe, you know, so it, it just, it, you know, it, kitty I'd be curious for you it takes courage to show up at the keyboard or if you write by hand right you gotta it's it's it takes courage and you have to just say okay I'm gonna do this and and then and you tell people I'm you're writing a book and they're like really I always wanted to write a book and you're like great but you know it takes courage and my other prop is that because it's it's a process you know what they say how do you eat an elephant I don't eat elephants but, you know, one bite at a time. So I keep this by my desk to okay. remind remind myself, how do you eat an elephant? How do you write one word, one sentence, one paragraph, right? So if you saw my desk, it's a little cluttered, but it's full of love and, you know, things that give me positive thoughts. Sometimes I don't need them because I'm having a good time with the story. And sometimes I need an outside, you know, a visual um, so so mystery's my container now you're gonna like this one i did this is so i'm i've got a really vivid imagination and um when i write i like to cast people as if it's already going to be a movie because you don't know so i have a storyboard i want to show you and your in listeners or you know your youtube people so i cast people as my characters and then i look at them so these are the characters in match and Mm -hmm. um We've got Sarah Gold. Let's see, over here is Sarah Golden. And then this is Jackie Larson. And then that's, oh, there's some bad guys here too. That's Sergio Maria. And that's, oh, her boyfriend Mo. That's Officer Handsome. That's Officer Campus. There's Biker Bob. That's Zuzu. So I take the pictures and I pick them up and I cast them on my storyboard. So when I'm stuck, I'm like, well, what would he say? And I look over. And it's actually... It's a fun project to do because if you have character, and even if you have like aliens or out of space, you know, you can get a magazine with almost any picture in it. That's true. And it's just like, it makes it more real that, you know, they're in the room with me. And my husband knows I talk to them and he's across the hall in his office. So, you know, there hasn't been any, you know, straight jackets coming home. But but I think whatever is playful that you can surround yourself with and to, and people, you know, to friends, colleagues who believe in you and give you support. I think all of that makes a writer a little, a little more confident to, to be vulnerable, to tell their story in their way, because, you know, we all have our different versions of a story. And so, and the creative process, I think is really good for your mind and your heart and your spirit. I believe that to be true. Yeah. So those are a few of my little props that I do.
0: Nice. Well, I like wow. your I like your board with all of the characters on it. I was trying to see whether or not I recognized anyone, you know, just through the the camera here. And I'm like, oh, I think that's Aquaman right there. I forget his real name, but yes, <laughs> it's just Aquaman it is. to me. That's
1: Piper Bob and Melissa McCarthy is like one of my favorite people in the whole oh, world. McCarthy. You know, I I don't know if you've seen the Heat, but it's kind um, of my jam. It's okay. just fun, and she's I just like her being so she's in there so maybe she, who knows maybe she'll buy the movie rights to the books you just don't know it could happen but but you know also i remember listening to louise penny you know who she is she's a wonderful mystery writer out of canada she used to be a journalist and um i got to meet her at book passage and then afterwards at a couple places anyway passage she, is a
0: bookstore near you
1: yeah it's a called uh, book passage is our independent bookstore and it's just Oh my God, they have everybody. And it's, it's one of those places where you can just go all day and read and have a cup of coffee and write and the community. Isabel Allende, uh, who lives in South Salito, she knows the owner, um, uh, I, Elaine Petroselli. And she'll just come and talk. And one time, I guess, they uh, the guy didn't show up to make coffee. So, Isabel Allende just got back and started making people their coffee. <laughs> giving them their, I mean, it's a great place. So wow. anyway, um, I, di- I divert, but um, it's, it's a great bookstore. And now I'm trying to remember what I was- Louise Penny. Oh, so she was there and she said that she decided she was going to write a book and she had no idea if anyone would like it or want it. So she picked a place she wanted to be with characters she wanted to hang with and she would write it so she could at least enjoy the process. And that if anybody liked it, that was a bonus- And I thought, wow, what a great way to show up to the page. Like, And of course, you have to have some evil characters in a mystery. You know, you got to have a bad guy, a bad gal. You got to have some tension um, in in the mystery to keep the reader, to keep turning the pages. But I thought, what a great attitude that you're going to write something that you want to write and create characters. Some you like, some you don't. And it's like like freedom, I thought. It was like such a great little, you know, how people just pass these pearls on. So I think that. That was um, inspiring to me, and she's obviously an international best-selling author. Oh, she just co-authored a book I have on my desk with uh, Hillary Clinton. Oh, They wrote a mystery together, and now they're going to do a series of her books, uh, Gamash books uh, on TV. So how funny
0: Because I read the Bill Clinton and James Patterson right. Yeah. yeah, I read that mystery. So how funny that both the Clintons are co-writing mysteries. Yeah, it's
1: probably the only way they can package up, you know, some interesting in morsels of information. Pretend that it's fiction. <laughs> uh, fiction there, there. There's a big permission slip on that one, right? Yeah. Oh, how funny. And is it a good book? The Louise? I and- haven't read it yet because I try Uh, my teacher used to say don't read what you're writing because subconsciously you might take so I'm reading other things right now um, but uh, I can't wait to read it because I have my like mystery stack ready but the other thing I do and you won't be able to see the detail and it's very tattered and torn but this is my reference sheet so that I don't have to keep looking up it and you can see it's pretty like tattered and torn but if you can tell, what I do is I write what my character's names are, how old they are, what color hair they have, you know, if there's boyfriend, girlfriends, kids, how tall, what their hobbies are, what they like, and, and then what seasons. So as I'm writing, I don't have to remember, like, how old is Sarah this time? What, how old is Wyatt? So I, I kind of keep that. So I make that for each book. And so I know what year I am. And so if I want to put in a little something about the news or did the Cubs win the World Series because I'm a baseball fan or just what the weather was like or, you know, some things that puts the reader right in that like particular season and yeah. time, it's just those and it doesn't have to be heavy, but to sprinkle that. And so that just slows me down to, um, you know, to, to take a look. OK, yes, yeah, she's She'd be yeah. So I, yeah, I do yeah. one of these and
0: And let me just stop you for one second. So most people are, are listening only. Um, you say tattered because it's a piece of paper. You are one of the only writers that that I can think of right off the top of my head that I've talked to who who uses paper, not paper that you printed your Excel spreadsheet, but but that you hand wrote on paper. So do yeah. you think that the process of handwriting it, um, because I think that there is a link to, um, to handwriting and creativity, uh, or do you do it that way just so you can carry it to wherever you are writing and you don't have to worry about looking up an Excel spreadsheet or a word document. I
1: don't, I don't want it. I want to touch it. I want, I want, I want to add little things in pencil. I want to erase things. I don't, I think you're right. I believe the hand uh, and brain coordination is important. I, I know you probably heard of the artist's way book. Uh, I did that years ago and you do the morning pages. I still do morning. Just it's what it is. You get out of bed before you do anything. Um, and write, free write, you don't have to worry about spelling, it's just, been the point is that it takes whatever ever in your brain out to make room for the new stuff to percolate and come up, so I do that, and then I do, I when I just made the third one of these uh, character information reference sheet, because, like, in the first book, Jackie was um, uh, drinking some rum, I don't drink rum, so I had to do some homework and write down the names of some rum, and, like, what they were, and you know, I had my husband go to beverages and more so I could taste a little because I'm just not a rum drinker. I don't know why I made her a rum drinker. I can't tell you that. She's a rum drinker. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, give her some good rum. So, um, but I do, I, I I, know, and maybe it is old fashioned because I know there's Excel spreadsheets, but you know, I'm not a master. So I like having a handwritten piece of reference paper that I can take with me if I'm going to write at a cafe or at home or wherever. Yeah.
0: There's something about seeing my own handwriting and, and the way that um, that I filled it out. So, you know, it wrote so neatly across the paper. I, I'm, I'm really into making sure my handwriting lines go straight across, not up or down. It's, I don't know, it's OCD. Um, uh, but then when I'm creating something on paper with pen or pencil or sometimes marker on a ginormous piece of paper, um, I like the way that I... I can remember what I was thinking when I wrote this other part kind of diagonal from it, you know, with a little line, like a reminder, or I wrote this other part and then scribbled it out. I'm like, yes, I remember what I was thinking when I did that with my hand. But sometimes I'll look at what I, you know, have typewritten Excel or Word or Scrivener or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I, I think I remember what I was thinking when
1: I typed that. Um, it's just not the same. No, no, I think it really does... Cement things in a different way or connects them in a different way. Absolutely, yeah. yeah it's it's a good reference sheet and I I, I like that. And I've yeah. been in this thought leadership academy with Sarah Cannell and she is of the belief and I am too. She's also been my life coach for thirty years. Is that books change people's lives? Yes. And a book changed her life and then she became a writer, got her MFA, and she has a beautiful m- movement here in the states. And she has lots of free writing, little workshops if people need something but don't, you know, particularly have the means. It's Sarah Cannell. And she does wonderful things with writers, just little ideas. So one of the things, because I've been working with her for so long and tricks is like one of them is like, um, I'd had some surgery years ago. I had one of my, had my knees replaced and I was tired and everything. But she says, well, just dictate it then. So I just hit the voice thing. and. You know, Sarah is in, da 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 da, and Jackie is in. I just put it and then I was able to co- send it to myself, copy and paste it in the document, which was a great idea. I didn't write something, I didn't type something, but I had an idea. The other thing, and this was a great little book that I keep near and dear to myself. Oh, um, can
0: you uh, just tell us the title for people who are Yeah, listening? the title.
1: Oh, yeah. Hello. It's called 20 ways to double your productivity, improve your craft and get published a field guide for writers by writing coach and bestselling author, Sarah Connell, C O N N E L L. But one of my favorite things is this thing called pleasure bundling. And again, it's, it deals with the neural pathways. So let's say that I really didn't want to do this podcast, but I actually did really. (laughs) Let's just say for the case of this discussion. Oh, I can't, I can't. I thought, and I'd say, Amy, after it's over, you can watch uh, Grace and Frankie on Netflix or you can have a hot bath or you can have a delicious cup of hot tea with some honey and maybe a few biscuits, but something that is something that I love. So if you have, you find yourself like not going to your writing desk because of X, Y, Z, you can say, I'm gonna write for 20 minutes today. And after I'm done, I get to take a walk get an ice cream, whatever, you know, your pleasure is. And then what happens is your brain starts associating the writing with a positive thing. It's called pleasure bundling. And you end up wanting to write more because you're going to get a treat. And eventually you don't even need to worry about the treat because your mind's like, I really actually like this. This is fun. So it's these little tricks of the trade, unless you, you know, are just so prolific and you show up and, you know, magic happens and, you know, Every time, yeah. Every (laughs) time, the bubbles abound over your head. The information is dropped down, and you write it perfectly the first time.
0: If you're not that person, then pleasure bundling could help.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's like it's like a neural pathway thing. You know, it really is. And we do things like rubbing your right and left hand together because it actually stimulates the right and left hemisphere of your brain so when we you know when i'm in writing groups we start we power hours before we start we just go okay what are you working on and we're rubbing our right and left hand together and it actually does stimulate the right and left hemisphere of your brain i can't
0: believe of all the neuroscience geek stuff that i've read i've never read that That's yeah
1: cool. yeah she's she brings these fun things into uh the academy And a combo and plus, you know, we're all really supportive of each other. So, again, as a writer, surrounding yourself with other writers and even if you don't know them, just go to a local independent bookstore and I bet you get a cup of tea or coffee and you'll hear people talking and chatting and, you know, there you go. So I think I think we all have I'm sure you have your little bag of tricks that you use to, to, you know, in your world as you write. And I think what I love about writers is people share like what works, you know, what doesn't work. Yeah. Um, And for the most part, I find it a really good community, supportive community and a funny community because the other thing, and I'm sure you do too, is I go to workshops. So I love murder mystery workshops because I love, you know, there's people sitting there. I mean, I literally, the first one I went to at book passage, which was amazing. There was, um, this lady was about 90, almost 90, and she's serious as as the day is long and she's like, "So what kind of bu- a, a kind of gun would I use a bullet cuz I really just don't want a lot of mess on the carpet in my story?" And like they have like ballistics people, FBI people, coroner people and they're just serious. "Well, ma'am, I think you should use a 45 and the bullet that you buy." And I'm thinking, "This is a scream. Like, yeah. I I I'm in. I want to watch the show no matter who's talking here, right?" Yeah. So it is, and and I I would say, and you probably may agree, we're lifelong learners. Writers are lifelong learners, right? Yeah. So when you're writing something, or I am, and I have to look, I'm learning so much. I'm writing the third book in the series. I'm really learning a lot about a lot of different things. You know, I'm not allowed to share right now because they say, don't talk about what you're writing right now because it takes energy away from it, right? But I was writing a scene one day and I was dying to tell somebody i was like oh my god i didn't even plan on this happening It's happening so i called betsy i said i gotta tell somebody um i mean i was making it up but you know when you're writing a story and then the story kind of takes on its own trajectory and sometimes you're just the scribe like and cut uh jackie larson gets on the back of a motorcycle but the guy she you know turns out biker bob and he's all chill but she didn't know that I'm not getting on the back of this guy's motorcycle, but it's not me. It's Jackie Larson. So I got to, you know, you follow your character, even yeah. if they're kind of a little cuckoo. Um, and it all turns out to be fine. But at the moment, I'm like, the guy's got a lot of, you know, tattoos and I don't know. And she's in a biker bar and what's she doing there? Oh, my gosh. But she saves the day. kind of. <laughs> kind of. I'm not going to give it away, but. Yeah. So I just, that's part of the magic. I think of being a, being a storyteller is just getting out of your way. Well, first getting to the story, getting out of your own way sometimes, and then um, just honoring it and see where you go, because I think the magic happens and why we're on magic before I forget, because this is something I love is I'm sure you've heard of Elizabeth Gilbert's big magic yes Um, I love this book I love her she's got a great uh, it's on a book on tape wow what a bunch of pearls and yum that this has you know this is something I keep on my desk too because writing is big magic we're making up stories sometimes you know I made up a story around facts and transplant but I made up the characters I made up some of the setting um, but you know it all kind of weaving it together that's you know yeah
0: it is it is to take something out of the air you know out of your brain put it on paper give it to somebody else they read it and they can see all these things yeah and and these things don't actually exist
1: but we we sort of forget while we're reading it that
0: they don't exist
1: (laughs) yeah i mean when i love food i'm I'm thinking you do too because i listen to a couple of your podcasts yes and (laughs) So, but I have a developmental editor I work with. So I had so much, I was writing one scene where I, the girls needed a burrito because they were waiting for someone to get off a Learjet in Miami. So I'm writing the burrito, you know, with the beans and the rice and the chorizo and the sour cream. And I'm sitting here writing, and I'm thinking, I, I'm, I saved it and I went downtown, bought myself a burrito, ate the burrito, came back, finished this part of the story, right? My editor is <laughs> like, you got to cut the burrito. I'm like, what? She goes, "You're taking your reader off into this place, and all they can think about is food. So they'll probably want to do what you did—is put the book down and go get themselves a burrito." I'm like, oh, all right. Now, I did write about chicken cacciatore in the first book. It did get cut, but I got it in the second book. She says, "Amy, if you're gonna, you just need to write a book in a restaurant. That's what you need to do because I just." <laughs> Well, the characters have to eat, although you look at some of these characters on TV and all they do is drink red wine. It's like, where is the food, right? I mean, come (laughs) on. But I think, you know, they do have to eat sometimes, maybe just saying. So I agree. yeah, so it's it's a matter of keeping the, the reader on the story and not getting them off left or right and to a place where I love, but it doesn't really you know move the story forward so yeah well
0: we gotta- you know what I do I'm just what? telling you Amy in case you want to put more food in your books I just figure out a way to make the food integral to what's going on in the story at that moment so um oh, you know like my current uh rom-com uh, she meets a guy who is working a taco truck so I wrote about
1: tacos until I got hungry <laughs> i bet oh i like it oh okay i'm with you, know, you now yeah
0: yeah in uh, little miss lovesick sydney you know when she hits her like um life is the worst that's ever been kind of bad moment um she goes to the store and she buys not that i've ever done this i'm crossing my fingers so you don't know i'm lying um <laughs> she buys uh frozen mozzarella sticks uh, ben and jerry's and I think a uh, frozen pizza, like all those, um, her comfort foods and she yeah, gets home yeah. and she puts everything else in the oven and she starts with the ice cream and she's just like moaning about her life while she's eating all these foods. But like the story is continuing, but as she's eating and my narrator, um, this lovely friend of mine, who's a actress in LA and now is a. Acting teacher, and uh, I'm gonna say the wrong one—Kentucky or Tennessee. Um, she works for one of the universities over there. Uh, she's like, "Kitty, all your books make me hungry when I'm narrating them." I'm like, "Okay, good." <laughs> so, I, I bet yeah. you can find now, now. I think you just need, regardless of whether it stays in the book, I think you need a goal. Figuring out a way that you can get food in where your editor's
1: like, "Yeah." Well, okay. That. I'll take that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now. Oh boy. aha uh-huh. Wait, we'll see. We'll see if she gets that out. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm, yeah, no, I love that. Give him, okay. I'm there. Now I, my, I'm writing, uh, after the series is uh, done, I'm writing a romantic comedy and it has got a caterer in it. But you're right. So people have to work for a living. So why not have them, you know, be the character who gets to make chocolates, dark chocolates. Right. right. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. I'll be putting it, tucking that one right away. (laughs) All right. I've got a question
0: for you. So we're kind of talking about, you know, that the magic of storytelling, all the different things that you have, um, combined together to put into your books. Very interesting. And one of the things that I think is interesting is current events. I mean, we, we have a lot of interesting current events in our world, um, and have probably forever, but the last 10 or 20 years are particularly interesting. So, um, what, what are your, you know, um, Amy's rules for Amy's books, uh, how you decide what kinds of things you're going to put in your books. Like right now we're in the middle of an opioid crisis and you put it into match. How do you choose which headlines? Like, do you, do you choose a political side? Do your, parent, do your characters choose a political side or do you try to make it, um, you just multifaceted and you're covering all of the arguments or what are your choices when you're writing?
1: You know, that's a really, really good question, Kitty, because I think consciously you do have to pay attention. I do have a dead politician in the second book, but, um, you know, it was because of the kidney disease. It wasn't my fault. I swear to God. And I (laughs) I am just for the record. If anyone's sending this to the FBI, it wasn't me, but the story about the interesting thing about the opioid crisis, which, uh, I, you know, I think sometimes things come to you as a writer, even in the political sense or the media sense. Well, I was on this committee in, uh, national committee. And we meet, met once or twice a year at O'Hare because we all convened there in Chicago, O'Hare airport. And in 2013 or 14, way before I wrote match, um, they showed us a heat map of the United States and what was happening with the opioid crisis then.
0: Oh, and I didn't we even were, know it was a crisis already then.
1: Yes. In 2013. And that where, where people were overdosing and dying and all that. In addition to that, those people were becoming organ donors, because a lot of them were the, the you know, demographics were 18 to 35 year old, uh, white Caucasian men, it was, called, that was, it was, they were going to try something and they're going to get high and then they, you know, passed out, aspirated and infarcted their brainstem and became brain dead. Well, we were just the administrators from all over the United States, we were sitting around this table with, you know, our jaw dropped. And we, at the time, were getting about ten percent uh, or more of those were organ donors, so their organs were in good shape. So fast forward to today, thirty percent of our donors come from the opioid crisis, which is, I know, That's I know,
0: terrible. Honestly, it is
1: terrible. It is. There's just if there was a silver lining that they, which it's hard to believe in that horrible time that the organs could be transplanted, actually then some good came from some horrible bad. But that came to me and I took the notes in 2013 and I put it away somewhere. And you know how as writers, you, know, you may have a file for ideas or characters yeah. or current events. And I looked at it and I thought, this is gonna be part of the second book. Um, I, I, one, because to raise awareness about it, because I think it's important to be aware of. But two, the fact is that that's a source of organs for transplant. And so that's how I came to include in the opioid crisis uh, in MATCH. Um, and the liver transplant uh, pro, you know, cut, I, I, it just depends on what's going on um, at the time. And I don't want to bury my reader in current events, but I also think they'll know what year they're in. By a, a headline, you know, it might be a benign headline, it might be a fun headline, and it might be a sad headline in a newspaper, or you hear it on the radio, you know, because you're, you your character's got to go somewhere and get there by some means, and whether it's in a car and the radio's playing, or they're watching television, and it's a hit show, or there's just so much to choose from, but to choose it wisely, yeah. and politically, for the most part, I try to stay away, because I honor that everybody has their own, you know, per, per you know, the choice and I, um, don't feel like anyone's right or wrong. So I, I try to just give the story its own legs and its own plot and its own fun characters, uh, to, to play with, with a little bit of sprinkling of, um, like I am a diehard cups fan, just for the record. They did win the world series in 2016, just so we're all clear. So <laughs> don't think that's not showing up in my books um, at some level because why not you know so also we as writers we get to put in a little of our favorite things you know yes whether it's a good burrito or you know chicken cacciatore or the chicago cubs or a little humor you know what i mean it's like we, we have this spice rack that's called kitty and amy and so when we're making that Stew that story. You know, we may put a little this in and a little that in, and stir it up and see how it goes. So I think, and I think every one of us who wants to write has that. Yeah. And used, I think people would be surprised if they sat still for a little bit and said, well, "What are my favorite things, or what do I like to eat, or what do I hate to eat?" And put it in yeah. your characters' mouth that you don't like with extra salt. You know. Yeah. So yeah. you just think it's all it's all for the taking you know? So I think that's, that's just something that I actually enjoy. Yeah.
0: I love it. Okay. I actually was worried that you were going through all of your tips and everything so fast that we would end up with this really short interview. And I'm looking at the time going, geez, why am I always surprised? It's happened again. Like we've really been talking for a while already and I hate to do it, but we'll have to start wrapping things up. So before I say thank you for being on the show, what, were there any other, I know you had some great notes. Were there any other things that you that you had wanted to uh, to add into the discussion? Well, two like can't come back, but I wanted to make sure we didn't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Here's your gift with purchase. Um, so, You know, I teach yoga and breathing and it's funny because I've been asked to be keynote speakers at conferences now where I can get people into their body by breath and then a little yoga and then a little laughter because then it's, you know, a good combo. So first uh, I want to tell anybody who's listening is that nobody can write the story but you it's your story and you're the only person that has your perspective your thoughts and your so i encourage anyone who wants to write no you there's only one you and there's only one kitty and nobody else can write kitty's story and nobody else can write yours the last thing i'm going to do is i'm going to show you a very simple thing that i teach people um in my keynote speeches because we're all like this right now. We're, we're hunched over our shoulders, our heads in the computer or down, and we're doing this all the time. So I invite people to just sit up, put their shoulders by their ears. They may already be there. Let's bring them down. Put our head back pull our tummy in and then we're going to do this now podcast people you might have to go to youtube for this okay i'll try to be descriptive we're going to take our thumb and put it on the middle knuckle of our little opposite uh finger little finger and we're just going to pull it back a little bit because remember our hands are like that so we're going to give that knuckle a little love and we're going to proceed to each finger the ring finger the middle finger the index finger and then take your thumb meat and you rub it, give it like some exercise, give it in there because it's tight. And these are your hands that you're using to write. And then we'll do the other hand back and then back and then just pull it back gently. If it hurts, don't do it. But you'll notice you might get a little cracker or not. And then you're gonna you know take that meat if that thumb and just give it some love. You know, these are your hands. And then you can stretch your hands out in front of you with you. Just give yourself try to get your shoulders down. And then the last thing is You're just going to take the hand palm and you're going to straighten your arm out so that it looks like this because this whole inner part of your arm, it doesn't get a good stretch because what are we doing? We're hunched over. So shoulder blades back and down, belly button to backbone, make sure your sits bones are there and then do your finger exercises and every little bit time, little twister whister for your spine, which is great. And then I always, not that I use it all the time, keep an egg timer. I said it for 20 minutes. Sometimes I'm gone in the story and I don't hear it, but you got to get up and move because this is your body and you want to take good care of it. So it can take care of you. So that's your last minute tricks and tips to taking good care and breathing. And thank you. This has been amazing.
0: Amy, you have been lovely to chat with. It's been so much fun. So many really encouraging, uh, I, I just want to say offerings even more than tips, encouraging offerings to people listening. You've helped us figure out like, how can we balance the full-time job? And it sounds like you probably had a more than 40 hour a week job, but you managed to just yeah. a little bit at a time, make it happen. So thank you for encouraging everybody who's like, okay, yeah, I guess yeah. I can get this done.
1: <laughs> we need more stories in the world. And if people need to look at my website, it's amyspiel.com, A-M-Y-S M Y in Sam peel like a banana peel with an E at the end. And um, so there's information about stories and my background and you can even get a free sample chapter if you would like to do that. And um, I just try to make it a fun interactive place so people can go to and learn. and and read a little bit, and um, yeah, I'm doing a contest right now called Match Around the World, and people have sent me the pictures of the book from Honduras and throughout the U.S., and uh, so if your readers want, or your listeners want to read it and send me a photo, my husband makes fused glass necklaces, and I find out the person's favorite color, and I send them a necklace, thank them for the picture, so that's my contest, and my husband makes beautiful necklaces, so it's kind of a, it's it's a, it's a win-win.
0: Wonderful. Wow. Thank you so much, Amy.
1: It's been such a pleasure having you here. Thank you for having me, Kitty. It was so much fun. I feel like I could talk to you for hours.